Welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. I'm James, and as always, I'm joined by Ryan McGowan. How are you today, Ryan? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. I've just made some money. I'm all right. You have. <laughs> I have. When we say made money, it was it was selling the PlayStation. Yeah, I just sold a PlayStation because I got a PS5, and I'm just excited. I'm just happy. Anyway, yeah, all good. There Nothing go. to report. No, life moves on. In the last episode, we kind of highlighted how unmotivated we were to write episodes and we got a message from and i'm really sorry i've completely forgotten the name and i feel really bad i should look this up let me find ryan's it. looking it up right now so i'll keep talking um because we've had a couple a really, to be fair it, it, there were just some nice messages saying mark. keep going how much you guys are mark thank you mark saying how much you guys enjoy it and that actually genuinely gave me motivation to crack on with an episode um i know i've moaned before that my job is writing so then in my free time writing seems like the last thing i want to do but i found myself on a train to london uh with a lot of spare time and i could have either sat there on my silly little football game or i could have started writing an episode and which i did i started writing an episode and then finished it yeah yesterday so yeah it, it really bizarre. was it really was like a a nice nice moment like we've we've had a few you know messages pop up and whatnot and we get the odd review which is really really nice um but yeah i think it was it was mark's big old message just being like i get it you guys have got lives it's fine um he's like but you guys seriously do need to get an episode out because i'm going through old episodes and i'm like yeah no totally get it (laughs) no yeah it's very understandable um so hopefully the january blues are over now because at the time of recording it's january 31st so that excuse is has gone yeah no it really has Uh, for me anyway like it really sort of pepped me up i remember sending it to like my family and friends and whatnot and just being like this is how nice some of our listeners are like and and, like even over christmas having some people say like merry christmas and whatnot it has been so nice and then yesterday um we found out that we are number 64 in apple podcasts documentary charts which was a big one because you know that is strange we're number 64 in the uk we're in top 100 and on top of us is the uh, rather famous youtuber simon whistler's show the brain food show so we're within good company mm, but this is the good thing about a, a backlog now that we have so many episodes out that if we do take little breaks because we are busy or simply can't find the motivation the numbers will still will still do well because people are interested so that's good keep listening to the the backlog there's over what 100 odd episodes there mm. That's over a hundred hours of just content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Binge it. Right. Today's episode. Hello. It's kind of time sensitive as well, so this is kind of also gave me motivation to get it out. Um, Ryan doesn't actually know what the episode's about. We're going to play a little game in a second where he has to kind of guess who the episode's about. Obviously, if you've clicked on the episode, you've read the name. This game is pointless for you, but maybe the little quiz we're about to do is still quite interesting so we are going to give you a bit of a clue february in the u.s is black history month uk folks ours is in october um but because we have quite a large audience based in the u.s i feel like we should begin the month by discussing black history month and talking about the important figures in u.s history whose impact is still felt today so here's the quiz for ryan where he has to guess who the episode's about Um, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Black History Month in the US is in February due to it landing on the two birthdays of important figures. So they took these two birthdays and said, "Okay, we'll do Black History Month then because they were very important. Are these two figures A, Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, B, Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, or C, Harriet Tubman and Malcolm X? Oh, that's not good because we've done an episode on Harriet Tubman and we've done an episode on Rosa Parks. <laughs> yeah, so there's options we haven't done in either of them, in all three of them. Yeah, because I, I would have said uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but that wasn't a suggestion. So it was uh, Rosa Parks. At one point that was, yeah, at one point that was a suggestion. However, I then realised I had Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks together, which would have been completely pointless. <laughs> um. So, 
The first one was Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. Yeah. I'm gonna, That's a big one. It's a big name. I'm going to go with that one because I can't remember when Rosa Parks' birthday was. Okay, so you think Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks? I think we're doing an episode on Martin Luther King. You have thought wrong. Ah, oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. The answer is B, Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. So who are we doing? 50-50, take, take a stab. Who, who do you think? Frederick Douglass. Yeah, smashed it. <laughs> that was pretty easy. It was like, one of them's a white guy. <laughs> one of them is a white guy, and kicking off Black History Month talking about a white guy would be very wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we want to celebrate black history by talking about a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yep, today we're talking about Frederick Douglass. Um, again, I have no doubts, as I've said many times before, about other people. Abraham Lincoln will be an episode in the future because he's what one of, if not the most famous president in US history. Uh, but especially here in the UK, Frederick Douglass is kind of a little less known. I was speaking to my mom yesterday kind of about this episode and I mentioned Frederick Douglass and she was like, who? Hmm. And I thought, you know what? That's a very valid thing to say because I didn't really know either. Yeah. No, that's Which fair. is wild considering in my research, I realized that everyone really should know about this guy because he also impacted culture in the UK quite significantly. The name rings a bell. I think he's around in like the 1800s or something. Yeah, of course. He does cross over with Abraham Lincoln, which we do get into in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but his last name is spelt Douglas as normal, which is with the double S. So if you think that's a typo, it's not. That's how it's spelt. Hmm. Interesting. So let's crack on with this man's life, shall we? Douglas was born into slavery in Talbot County, Maryland in 1818. And like many who were born into slavery, his date of birth wasn't recorded and is therefore unknown. Um, but as previously mentioned, US Black History Month was chosen for February due to his birthday alongside Lincoln's. So in later life, he decided to celebrate his birthday on February the 14th. Ah, nice. I like that. The sort of a date he picked out, which is also Valentine's Day. So if you do have a couple, like a, a partner, hint, hint, two weeks at the time of recording to get some in. So my, step on, step on it. My partner's birthday is on Valentine's Day. Do you get two gifts? No. <laughs> wow! No, she you cheap she um, doesn't like to celebrate Valentine's Day because it diminishes the fact that it's her birthday. So we celebrate her birthday instead. That's completely fair. Get it? I get it. Mm, yeah. Also makes it a lot cheaper for you. Yes and no, because you know to do anything on that day means that it's basically doing something on Valentine's Day, which is ever everyone else is doing the same thing. So oh, yeah, you can't go out for a meal. Yeah, yeah. If you go out for a meal, it's like oh. You're here for Valentine's Day. And she's like, no, it's my birthday. (laughs) She gave her a massive badge that says it's my birthday. Yeah. Uh, Douglas's mother was a black woman who was also enslaved. And while his father is unknown, it's very likely he was a white man of European descent. Uh, During my research, it seemed like one of the plantation owners could have potentially been his father. Mm. So safe to say he wasn't really conceived in uh, a union of love, shall we say. There's a lot of that, isn't it? Like... around that sort of time there was so much of that like plantation owners just abusing you know mm. their people in that way yeah and just not recognizing the kids yeah they want nothing to do with the kids yeah like at all yeah it's crazy yeah it's, it's vile um little is known of his mother because they were separated uh unfortunately she passed away when he was around 10 years old because back in in that time uh plantation owners were very aware that if they had mothers raising their children, that mother then becomes less able to work. So then the kids would get handed off to grandparents who were not doing much work anyway. That's bad. And so the mother is then able to work. It is bad. A lot of what happened back then is bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, that's awful. Like, it, we've never discovered the fact that that is awful before. Like, there's going to be a lot of that. It's just going to be me going, that's bad. Yes, obviously it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> none of this is good none of it Uh, Douglas spent very little time with his mother because he was removed from her as I mentioned and he was left in the care of his maternal grandmother Betty Bailey but then at the age of six he was removed from her to work inside the plantation house in Maryland as is the heartbreaking case with many that found themselves enslaved Douglas was moved around a lot and he was given using that word very loosely to Lucretia Old whose husband then sent him away to work for his brother Hugh and his wife, Sophia. 
It was forbidden to educate black children how to read and write. But Sophia defied this ban and is in his future autobiography, Douglas credits Sophie for teaching him the alphabet. When it was discovered what she had done, Hugh scolded his wife and instructed her that she was to cease all of the lessons immediately. But Douglas continued to teach himself how to read and write, often copying the white children in the neighbourhood. Because obviously you don't want the uh, the slaves to be educated because then they start reading things that they don't want to read or the, what you don't want your slaves to read, if you know what I mean. And then they'll mm. start getting ideas of freedom. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. At one point, like they, the wasn't like one book they were allowed to read is the Bible, but, but but only because the slave owners would have kind of gone through it and taught them the passages that um, make slavery more acceptable, so they could read the Bible. Mm. And then the idea was that they themselves would be indoctrinated into it by going, "Well, it's in the good book, so you know it makes sense." If that, you know, what I mean, to to justify it. I think on Sundays as well. Uh... Not always, but they were often allowed to gather and read segments of the Bible and sort of have Sundays as the Lord's Day. So Douglas would continue his learning by reading newspapers and political literature, where he quickly gained an understanding and belief of what human rights should be, which is the opposite of what his slave owners wanted. Uh, After he was moved on yet again to William Freeland, Douglas began teaching other enslaved people how to read at a weekly church congregation, where he taught them using the New Testament in the Bible, as Ryan just mentioned. Typically, the slave owners weren't fond of Douglas educating other slaves. Um, Presumably, they wanted to keep critical thinking to a minimum in order to stop any sort of uprising. And Douglas was taken back to the Olds and given to a farmer named Edward Covey, who had a reputation of being physically aggressive towards slaves. Douglas was only 16 at this point, and he was regularly whipped by Covey. The slave owner was often known as the slave breaker, meaning he would take those who weren't complying and would physically and mentally break them. As drawn out in his first autobiography, Douglas was very nearly mentally broken by Covey, but in the end, the 16-year-old fought back. Douglas engaged in a physical confrontation with the brutal slave owner, a confrontation in which he won, and after this, Covey never laid hands on him again. He was probably scared and also imagine his pride was massively dented mm. that a black 16-year-old boy had gotten the better of him in a fight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't sell him on or anything. Yeah, he just he just kept him for years afterwards and just never, ever touched him again. Wow, that is surprising. Mm, I doubt it was out of mutual respect. I think it was out of being ashamed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it would appear that the slave breaker was the one who ended up being broken by a slave, which is rather ironic. I like it. Following this, Douglas turned his attention to escaping. He had a few failed attempts, but it was eventually successful in 1838, when he left Covey's farm dressed as a sailor, and he had fake uh, identification uh, that he obtained from another sailor, and he had to pass through checkpoints. Um, If he was caught, he probably would have been taken back and would never have been given the opportunity to escape again. But luckily, it went well for him because he disguised himself as a sailor as well. And he boarded a train to uh, Maryland, and then he eventually travelled through Delaware before eventually arriving in New York, which was a free state, and the house of the abolitionist David Ruggles. During his time in captivity with the Olds, Douglas had his head turned by Anna Murray head turned. I wrote that like I'm watching fucking Love Island. <laughs> he, he fell in love with a woman called Anna Murray. <laughs> did, he, did he pull her for a chat? Yeah, it pulled her for a quick chat on the terrace. She didn't pie him off then. No, no, it, the opposite. They fell head over heels for each other. <laughs> uh, Murray was a free black woman in Baltimore when Douglas arrived in New York, and he immediately sent for her to come and join him. She did, and the pair were married in September of 1838 and would go on to have five children together. They originally adopted Johnson as their family name in order to hide Douglas's identity, and they relocated to New Bedford. I knew this fucking state would come up when writing this episode. Massachusetts. Yeah. Have I got it right? Yes, you did. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Smashed it. We're never saying that word ever again. Uh, which had a thriving community of free black people. Once feeling more secure, they made Douglas their married name. Their five children were Rosetta, Lewis Henry, Frederick Jr., Charles Redmond, and Annie, who unfortunately died at the age of 10. Douglas would then become a licensed preacher. And although still a fugitive in the eyes of the law uh, at, at the time, living up north was significantly safer. He would then begin reading and listening to abolitionists and would often be a speaker himself. 
Unlike the white abolitionists giving their speeches, Douglas was able to speak honestly from experience about the brutality of slavery. And this offered a different uh, perspective that would get people to stop and listen. Because I imagine the white abolitionists obviously were there for the right intentions. They wanted to abolish slavery. Um, But you don't really stop and listen until you listen to someone who has been through it and experienced it for themselves. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely the same even today when you'll see like on uh news affair shows where they're talking about like you know oh is britain a racist country but then they'll have a white person on there to say oh, it's not a racist country or it is and it's like mm. don't need someone you don't need someone who's never experienced it to be there defending or saying it is you know just get someone of whom it is relatable to to discuss their own yeah. experience yeah i find the same at the minute with the cost of living crisis you often get rich people rich mps telling poor people that it's not actually that bad and they just need to work harder despite never having been through it themselves oh i mean there was there was a tiktok that went and done the rounds a little bit of some rich influencer girl being like oh uh with the cost of living crisis and you know um heating prices being so high i've decided today i'm going to spend the day at the spa so that i can use their heating instead of putting on my own thermostat uh, and then she's like so watch me as i get ready to go to the spa and then she's like putting on like some fucking gucci scarf and some like fancy coat and then she's like cool that's gonna save me money today and it's like, i'll oh, give over it's so tone deaf isn't it it's so tone deaf yeah it is it is ridiculous but unfortunately it happens a lot eat the rich <laughs> so where was i in 1843 Douglas would join the American Anti-Slavery Society and tour the Midwestern United States. Naturally, this was a very dangerous task for anyone to undertake, let alone a black man. They would often find themselves in danger as some degenerates were less than happy to be hearing that the movement to abolish slavery was growing. During a scrap in Indiana, Douglas ended up breaking his hand after some pro-slavery fuckwits decided they didn't like what they were hearing. Um, the hand never fully healed and he kind of didn't really have full use of it for the rest of his life. Mm. I like to think that he fucking lamps someone so hard, though. Yeah. Yeah, they do say that, like, you know, because boxing used to be you wouldn't punch anyone's face because you broke your knuckles every time you punch someone in the yeah. face. It always used to be body shots. So I reckon, yeah, he just got like, do you know what? Fuck you. Lamped in one, broke yeah. his hand. Fuck. I think on that note, I, I'm, I might be pulling this out of my ass, but I'm sure I read somewhere that there's been more fatalities in boxing ever since they introduced gloves. Mm. Because when it was bare-knuckle fighting, people's hands would get tired and broken and they weren't able to do it anymore. Whereas boxing, you can just go until someone drops. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, that's, that's true. I know that from QI, um, where they said the invention of the boxing glove meant that you were unlikely to break your, your fist and your knuckles by punching someone square in the face where it's all bone so more headshots became a thing but obviously meant that then more mm. head injuries became a thing alongside it whereas beforehand punching someone in the face was such a stupid idea because you couldn't do it for long it was only ever body shots because you can absorb those that makes sense but yeah mm. you're right you're absolutely right very interesting Uh, Douglas is the most photographed black man of the 19th century, fact, and he is also a very highly thought of writer. During this time, he would write Narrative, the autobiography of Frederick Douglas, which was a huge success and involved being reprinted nine times uh, and was also translated to be sold in Europe, which was a part of the world which was a little further ahead on the abolition of slavery, but again, not perfect by any Mm. means. In 1858, he stayed with John Brown, a radical abolitionist in New York. Brown didn't really have... uh, No, sorry, Brown did have big plans, including raiding US military arsenals in order to build a stronghold for enslaved people in the mountains of Maryland and Virginia. Brown was caught before he could carry out the heists and was hanged for his crimes. Upon his death, he uttered the final words... I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away but with blood. Maybe foreshadowing mm. the Civil War. Uh, yeah. In his autobiography, Douglas said, From my earliest recollection, I date the entertainment of a deep conviction that slavery would not always be able to hold me within its foul embrace, 
and in the darkest hours of my career in slavery, this living word of faith and spirit of hope departed not from me, but remained like a ministering angels to cheer me through the gloom. Then he added, thus is slavery the enemy of both the slave and the slaveholder, which I put in there to really show that Douglas is far more articulate than mm. I am. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a lot more quotes from him coming up as well. So he was a really articulate man. He has several books out, um, which I, if I ever get involved in reading again, because truthfully, I don't read books. I get really fucking bored. I have the attention span of a four-year-old. Yeah. Um, but if there were books to read, this would be mm. them. No, I have the same. I... Maybe there'll be audiobooks. Yeah, audiobooks are the way forward, man. I can't sit and read. I ain't got time. More, more to the point, I don't have the attention span. Yeah, I, I can read articles. If something takes under five minutes to read, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, I like. But my attention span is not. I good. like that some articles at the top tell you how long it, how long a read it is. Yeah, I'm like like yeah, a two minute read. Yeah, two minute read. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I got that. Five minute. Oh, I don't yeah. know about that. It better be gripping in the first yeah. couple of paragraphs. <clears throat> Which is wild because my job involves a lot of reading and researching, but like I've got the knack of skimming like information so quickly and finding exactly what I need like quickly. Mm. And it also helps with podcast writing. I can kind of pinpoint what I need straight away and sift through all the shit. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I feel like I've developed the same kind of skill where a lot of the time I'll, I'll be on a website and you just like, you know, control F, type what I kind of want and see if it can find the word for me. Done. Yeah, it is good. Similar, but not so similar. Have you ever got it when you're like, you, you want to cook something and you've got a recipe and you just want the fucking recipe mm. and the dickhead who's put it on the website has put their entire life story above the recipe and you have to scroll all the way down. Yeah. It's like, I, don't, I could not give a shit if you made this with your nan when you were six. Like, I don't care. I want to know the ingredients and how long it goes in the oven for. That's it. Yeah. It'd be like, uh, I, I was thinking of this recipe when, so when I was being bullied by the school guy when I was 10 years old. He was churning my face. Speaking of churning, I had 10 grams of butter. <laughs> yeah i i sift through all of that don't put that on your recipes you've lost my business if you do yeah, that i just want to make brownies exactly bastards anyway back on to slavery <laughs> with his book being such a roaring success came a lot of attention and don't forget that douglas was not technically a free man but still a fugitive and he had to think quickly and decided he would depart for europe he travelled to both Great Britain and Ireland, landing in the latter during the beginnings of the potato famine, which I don't think we've ever covered, which we probably will at some point, because that's a pretty mad part of history. Um, as an Englishman, kind of interesting to talk about, uh, based on how we reacted to it, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll do that. Um, and for a while, he was in our neck of the woods, and he was taken aback by the freedom given to people of colour. It wasn't exactly a utopia, and for God, nor is it today. Like, we still have hideous problems. Um, but it was a damn sight better than what he had experienced in the US. Douglas stayed in Ireland and the UK for two years. During this time, he was free to give speeches, and his stock back in the US and over here grew. So much so that Europeans began clubbing together to raise enough money to buy his freedom in the US. Thanks to some help of his friends in London, who got in contact with the Olds in the US, a price of £150, which was worth a lot more back then, was agreed for Douglas's freedom, and he was now free to travel back to the States as a free man. Some abolitionists didn't agree with Douglas paying for his freedom. Henry C. Wright wrote Douglas a letter stating, That certificate of your freedom, that bill of sale of your body and soul from that villain Old, who dared to claim you as a chattel, and to set a price for you as such, you will sink in your own estimation if you accept that detestable certificate of your freedom, that blasphemous forgery, that accursed bill of sale of your body and soul. I would see you free. You are free. You were always free. And the man is a villain who claims you as a slave and should be treated as such. Ah. Long story short, he says that you didn't need to pay for your freedom because no one can own another human being. Yeah. Douglas did have an answer for his critics, saying, I am legally the property of Thomas Old, and if I go to the United States, Thomas Old, aided by the American government, can seize, bind and fetter and drag me from my family, feed his cruel revenge on me and doom me to unending slavery. It was not to compensate the slaveholder, but to release me from his power, not to establish my natural right to freedom, but to release me from all legal liabilities to slavery. So obviously Douglas would have agreed that he is not 
in the eyes of God, shall we say, the property of another man. But in the eyes of the US government, he was the property of another man. Yeah. And he was logical enough to understand that and how to get out of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that because the other guy is thinking emotionally and he's like, oh, you know, you're not. You've always have been free, blah, blah, blah. And then Douglas is just like, yeah, no, listen, bro, I hear you. What I'm saying is in the eyes of the fucking law, I am. So just let's just, can we just move on? <laughs> I like yeah. that a lot. I yeah. like that. It's always good to understand the system you are part of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, that's it's a nice, I like what you're saying here, bro. I really like what you're saying. But legally, I do still have to do this. <laughs> yeah. And this was for the best because what he goes on to do was important for all of history. Mm. During his time in the UK, he would deliver one of his most famous speeches known as the London Reception Speech. Part of it read, What is it to be thought of a nation boasting of its liberty, boasting of its humanity, boasting of its Christianity, boasting of its love of justice and purity, and yet having within its own borders three millions of persons denied by law the right of marriage. I need not lift up the veil by giving you any experience of my own. Everyone that can put two ideas together must see the fearful results from, a, from such a state of things. Douglas returned to the US and began publishing his own paper called The North Star, the motto of which was, Right is of no sex, truth is of no colour, God is the father of us all, and we are all brethren. Sorry, sorry. He's got some zingers, isn't he? This bloke is articulate. I can't yeah. like stress that enough. Like, read it. I I went on a page of just Frederick Douglass quotes, and they're all impeccable. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's very very good. Yeah, he is. He's a he knows. He's a wordsmith, which is important because people listen if you're good with words. Mm. It's wild to think as well that he taught himself this simply after learning the alphabet. Yeah. No, it's very clever. It's very clever. Mm. He was also outspoken on other issues plaguing the country. He would attend feminist rallies where he would too call for women to have the right to vote, claiming that he could not accept the right to vote as a black man if others were still denied that right. He also campaigned for the desegregation of schools an entire century before the US actually put it in place. Yeah way ahead of his time, which is also very eye-opening that the US took that fucking long. Mm -hmm. But this isn't just me coming from America. Again, coming from England, I'm fully aware we were all so shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... We were shit. <laughs> we were. I think we abolished slavery. I don't know the exact dates or time, but before America did. Yeah, it was before America, but I, I don't know why. I, I, uh, but something I need to look up. No, uh, but then we then colonised three quarters of the world afterwards. So, swings yeah. and roundabouts. Yeah. In 1852, Douglas would give another of his incredibly famous speeches, this one coming to be called What to a Slave is the 4th of July? And obviously we all know 4th of July to be a very significant day in, uh, in America. Mm. A segment of it read... What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him, more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty an unholy license, your national greatness swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgiving with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. Wow. He went in. I love that. <laughs> if you don't, in case you're questioning what that whole segment means, he basically went, fuck your 4th of July, you're all dickheads. Yeah. Is how yeah, I yeah. would phrase it. But luckily, he's a lot better with words than I am. That's so good. That's so good. And I feel like what he's done there as well is he's sort of, sort of adding on to that previous quote where he's saying about, you know, a nation that boasts about being Christian and having all these amazing free values about freedom, blah, 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 blah. And yet you've got millions of people in your backyard just, you know, yeah. slaving away. Like, 
fuck you. <laughs> there is no American dream. It's all a lie. A hundred percent. Yeah. I like it. I like this guy. He's very good. He would be brilliant in today's world as well. Oh, he, yeah. He, he would be a, ma- an amazing politician. Oh, for sure. A good head on his shoulders. Yeah. I don't really uh, make them like this anymore, do they? So, roll on the Civil War. Beginning in 1861, due to his speeches, books and newspaper, Douglas was a highly recognised figure when the war began. Douglas loudly proclaimed that black people should be allowed to fight for the Union. He was also an advisor to Abraham Lincoln and would encourage him to include African-American troops in the war. He demanded this for two years and wouldn't let it go. And then, in 1863... Lincoln declared the Emancipation Proclamation and African-Americans were able to join the army. Two of Douglas's three sons joined the army, with the other taking on recruitment. Douglas would then shift his attention to encouraging other black people to join the military, knowing what was at stake and the horrors that would follow if the South were to win. In a speech rousing African-Americans to join the army, Douglas listed nine points as to why they should fight, including being American citizens and to stop the country from falling into the hands of those who were pro-slavery. He concluded the speech with this. Are you ready? There's another quote coming up. Oh, yeah. When time's ample curtain shall fall upon our national tragedy and our hillsides and valleys shall neither redden with the blood nor whiten with the bones of kinsmen and countrymen who have fallen in the sanguinary and wicked strife, when grim-visaged war has smoothed his wrinkled front and our country shall have regained its nat- his normal condition as a leader of nations in the occupation and blessings of peace, and history shall record the names of heroes and martyrs who bravely answered the call of patriotism and liberty against traitors, thieves and assassins, let it not be said that in that long list of glory, composed of men of all nations, there appears the name of no coloured man. Oh, oh! My favorite bit, my favorite fucking bit of this quote, uh, just for the imagery, was the first bit was our hillsides and valleys shall neither redden with the blood nor whiten with the bones of kinsmen. Mm. Like, wow! Yeah, this guy, mate, if he wasn't if he wasn't an activist, this he's a playwright. He's a, he's an author. He's fantastic. He he seems to be as as descriptive as Shakespeare. He's so good. <laughs> The imagery he uses in his speeches, I feel fucking roused up by it. I know. And I'm just sat in my bedroom. It's stunning. It's really, really beautiful writing. I like it. But again, if if you're um, struggling to follow what Douglas was on about at that point, he simply means that if black people weren't involved, he doesn't want them to look back in the history of, of the country and say, well, we didn't actually do much then, did we? He wants them to be at the heart of this push for a, a new future. Hmm. Douglas did fall out with Lincoln following the Emancipation Proclamation, stating that the president should have used the opportunity to give black people the right to vote. However, the Union won the war and slavery was outlawed across the land. It is thought that Lincoln and Douglas reconciled before Lincoln's assassination, and Douglas was asked to give a speech at the Emancipation Memorial in Washington, D.C. in 1875 in Lincoln Park, not the band, the actual park. <laughs> and it suggested that Lincoln's mid, uh, widow, Mary Todd, gave Douglas the late president's favourite walking stick following his speech. Sounds weird, We all know it? how... Well, it is a bit weird, but maybe it was his prized possession, I don't know. But we all know how Lincoln died, don't we? Um, I don't think we need to do an episode on that. He, got, he was at the theatre and... got bored to death at the theatre. Yeah, that's that's how the story goes. <laughs> it's just like this is so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not funny. One day we're going to do an episode on him. He's quite an interesting bloke. A, a really interesting bloke. Yeah, It'd be interesting to get the the, the different perspective because I don't really know much about him in his early life. I'd like to find out. Big big wrestler. Was he massive fan of wrestling? Really good at it, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. See, there you go. Facts already. Um, what? What other weird things do you think could be bequeathed to you by someone that you'd just be like, oh, thanks, <laughs> a walking stick? Dentures. <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah. Like, why the fuck are you giving me a teeth? I leave to you um, my favourite toothpicks. <laughs> yeah, toothbrush, like why? That's so weird. That's so weird. I mean, yeah, sure, whatever, it's a walking stick. Maybe it's his famous walking stick that he's pictured with or something. And you're like, oh, sell it. Well, I don't know, do something with it. I don't know. It's a pen, maybe? 
this is the pen that I yeah. wrote the pro- emancipation pro- oh yeah that would be good you'd see that on porn answers wouldn't you I need to get a guy in just to verify this is real <laughs> yeah and he's like best I could do is 120 <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway I'm sure this walking stick's probably about somewhere I don't know it's gotta be in a museum isn't it you'd assume so maybe it was passed down through Douglas's family who knows don't have the answer for you on that one I'm afraid yeah Douglas knew that although slavery was outlawed, there was still much work to be done. He was appointed the president of the Freedmen's Bank, which helped to promote economic movement in the African-American community. He also played part in many areas of the government, including becoming the first black man to hold a position of high office as the ambassador to the, to the Dominican Republic. Mm. Interesting. Which my parents have been to and they say it's lovely, so... yeah. And that they don't really like places, so take their word as gospel. (laughs) Douglas would become a supporter of Ulysses S. Grant in his bid for presidency, and he he vowed to go after white supremacists. Grant oversaw the Civil Rights Act of 1871, which was largely designed to suppress the movement of the Ku Klux Klan. I'm sure images of the Ku Klux Klan just popped into everyone's mind Mm. because they're very famous dickheads. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. In 1872, Douglas was put on the ticket to be vice president for Victoria Woodall's presidential campaign that ended unsuccessfully. And in 1877, Douglas apparently met with Thomas Old, the man who formerly owned him, and the pair allegedly reconciled. Hmm. So that would be an. I'm sure that would be an interesting chat over a tea, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 But from the impression I get with Douglas is reconciliation isn't like past him. I'm sure he would have thought about it logically. He seems to be a very logical person. Yeah, I think you can forgive but not forget. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think that's his kind of big thing. Because it seems to be with his vision of an America where there's no need to sort of... I, 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 I Listen, I'm putting thoughts into his head and he may not think these, but the way I get from the way you've described him and told his story so far is he seems to be someone that is like, there's no need to sort of hold on to this past. You need to move forward. You need to move on. Like, we, mm. we're, we're going to be stuck in a constant cycle if we just stay in this sort of, you know, state of anger towards people. We need to, we need to like, yeah, forgive, but don't forget. Just remember it, but you need to move on. Yeah, I think you've put that very well. He was all about the betterment of the future. Mm. Douglas would spend the final two decades of his life in Washington, D.C. after being appointed as a United States Marshal by President Hayes. And sadly, in 1882, Anna died, and Douglas remarried in 1884 to white activist Helen Pitts. His family weren't overly pleased with the new marriage, and um, safe to say, neither were hers. Really? Yeah, it didn't, it didn't go down too well. Wonderful. Um, I imagine his family weren't overly pleased because, I don't know, it's always weird seeing someone remarry after a long time yeah uh, a long marriage and I imagine her family perhaps didn't like that she was marrying a black man which is funny isn't it because like she's uh, that's not funny but like she's a, a you know a, an activist right so she's she supports this movement and whatnot and like she seems to be like a really cool forward thinking gal but her family are just like uh, listen love we, yeah. we support you but then when it comes to the reality of it that I'll be like eh, I, mm, maybe I not. support you but you kind of brought it home <laughs> like yeah, it's just like when you're listening to your fucking nan at Christmas talk about like gay people. It's like, whatever they do behind closed doors is fine, but I don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I wonder whether the family were a bit like, yeah, don't maybe you moved on too quickly or something. Or, you know, by him marrying a white woman, they felt it maybe lessened his sort of um, argument and all the stuff that he's fighting maybe. for. Maybe that sort of it looks like it's lessening his fight. I don't know. I'd say I'd say it helped. I'd say it would help to forward it. Yeah, of it's course. It's so like so forward thinking and like this is this is a twenty twenty three man living in the eighteen hundreds. Oh, he's way way ahead of yeah. his time. In eighteen eighty eight, Douglas was the first African American to receive a vote to become president at a major party conference. However, he was unsuccessful. That still though that sorry to interrupt. That is amazing. Yeah, the first African-American to receive a vote. That's huge. That, if you think about it in the grand scale of things, that is absolutely massive. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like In terms of looking back at that moment, 
That is massive. If I was him at that point as well, I'd just put my feet up and retire in that moment and be like, yeah, fuck you. I got a vote. And then you've got, that was in 1888. And then Obama wasn't elected until 2009. Yeah, that's mad. Had to, well over a hundred years. That's mad, isn't it? How slow progress can be sometimes. This is the thing, I think, Progress was made by abolishing slavery, but the mindset was still very underlying. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame. The, the mindset is still there in certain people as well, all across the world, um, which is something that everyone's still... Well, I say everyone. Uh, sensible people are still fighting to stamp yeah. out. And we can only stamp that out through education. It's the biggest thing. Education, education, education. Absolutely. 1895 would see the final speech he would ever give at the Council of Women in D.C. Shortly after delivering the speech, Douglas suffered a heart attack and passed away aged 77. Thousands attended his funeral and he was then buried in Rochester in New York next to his first wife, Anna. Um, as has been the best part of these episodes are the quotes. I'm going to end the episode with some quotes. Because he's far more articulate than I am, and it just sounds better coming from him than it does from me. So, first one. Where justice is denied, where poverty is enforced, where ignorance prevails, and where any one class is made to feel that society is an organised conspiracy to oppress, rob and degrade them, neither persons nor property will feel safe. And in a similar way to what Shakespeare does, those words still resonate today even though they were written however long ago they're, they're still timely which I think is amazing mm. um, he also said power concedes nothing without a demand it never did and it never will find out just what any people will quietly submit to you have found out the exact I'm sorry I've, I think I've messed up the grammar here find out just what any people will quietly submit to you and have found out the exact measure of injustice and wrong which will be imposed on them. And these will continue till they are resisted with either words or blows or with both. The limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. Mm. I like that. That last sentence is is mad. Yeah. It's all like you've got to stand up and fight back, otherwise nothing's going to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. And like you say, it, it's timeless. That That works in any era. Of course, I think it happens today with modern governments and again going back to the cost of living crisis and I think we are slowly starting to see it now with the strikes. There is pushback, um, especially in the public sector, as annoying as it can be sometimes if you can't get a train. It's absolutely vital to show the higher up, show the elites. I know that's such a conspiracy theorist thing to say, but there are rich people in government that want to remain rich and if numbers stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, fuck you, mm-hmm. so much can change. Yeah. Like so much can change. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I like it. You have to stand up and fight, and and if you don't, they will continue to take the piss. Exactly, and also you can take this mindset into just your everyday life as well, and your job. If your boss is a massive dickhead, and you just let your boss be a massive dickhead, they're gonna carry on doing it. Mm. Whereas if you took, you might lose your job, but I think you'll feel better for standing up for yourself. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, Douglas risked his life on countless occasions, fleeing slavery and devoting his life to the betterment of his country that he could have quite easily turned his back on. Douglas is one of the most influential people to have ever graced the United States, and I think it's fitting that the US Black History Month was appointed in February of memory of his birthday alongside Lincoln's. And there we go, Black History Month off with a bang. Off with a bang, I like it. Wow, what uh, yeah, what amazing, what an amazing person. Fantastic, but I'm almost ashamed that I don't really didn't really know much about him before researching in UK schools anyway. I don't think I ever heard his name. I mean, when um, when we were in school there was no such Black History Month. That wasn't a thing. No, I think I, we we studied Martin Luther King Jr. a little bit. I know I studied uh, Rosa Parks briefly, but that was yeah. it. Yeah. It was all sort yeah. of modern civil, I say modern, like more modern civil rights movements. We also studied the Wild West for some fucking bizarre reason. Yeah. Um, but no, we never did Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, uh, the Civil War. Never did any of that. I mean, I imagine the American education system is a lot different and probably does cover these things quite extensively. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, but UK, not so much. No, I'm 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 glad to now know a little bit more about him. I think that's really cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and he is the most photographed black man of the 19th century, so there'll be no shortage of images for the uh, for the social images. I th- I thought that as you said it the first time, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, getting some artwork for this would be great. <laughs> so <laughs> much easier. From. There's yeah. also photos of his wife as well. So interesting. All right, I'll have a little play yeah, around, see what I get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I, like I say, it's a, it is a modern man in the wrong era, but in the right era at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like he was, he was desperately needed. The world needed him. Yeah, isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? It's almost like the world spat him out at the right time. It's like, we listen, we need you go now. Is your time? He's like, ah, I'm waiting for the iPhone. No, now you've got to go now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and look what he's done. I think he really kickstarted something, um, and hopefully yeah. we continue to continue to see progression. Yeah, I would like again. We're gonna do this sort of like one day. We're gonna do the the timeline with all of our episodes in the <laughs> correct order. But I would yeah. love, I would love one day to sort of go back through all of our previous episodes and just like take that person out of our timeline and would they change the world as we know oh, it? That's a fascinating thought. I think, I think without Frederick Douglass, slavery still would have been outlawed, and I think the civil rights movement still would have happened. I think it would have happened differently and potentially later. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing how much impact some people can have on the world. When it, that's the just whole reason behind person, this yeah. this show. The whole reason behind this show is something just people doing people things. It does often do blow my mind. Stuff. This this show, like you can talk about people like Frederick Douglass, who really changed the course of history for the better as an individual, and then suddenly picking an episode at random, you're on the island of Jersey watching someone sexually assault children. Like human beings are so fucking interesting mm. you, you really like i'm not saying go and do that latter thing for god's sakes but you like you really can be who you want to be and do what you want to do yeah obviously so a lot of the time it has consequences yeah uh, this podcast is it shows the entire spectrum of humanity and frederick douglas obviously we always talk about this gray area of like you've got good you've got bad and then there's this gray area which i think majority of people fall in between i think frederick Douglass is very up there with the with the good category yeah i like it i like again that's something else we can do merch maybe sorry <laughs> we'll have the good the bad and the gray and then we'll just you know we'll pinpoint where these people but lie where we think they sort of exist on this scale you know of maybe dark light but- grey in the middle and it gets lighter on one side and dark on the other maybe when our TikTok <coughs> um, kicks off Ooh. and our visual content we'll, we'll do a little interactive thing where we'll print off little things and actually get together and stick them up on a board or something <laughs> yeah I like it I like it uh, yeah that's some foreshadowing James has got some things he wants to do and needs to do <laughs> that was my um, New Year's resolution I haven't forgot about it it is coming I promise you I'm just waiting on one thing to happen before I do it and it's worth it for me anyway yeah <laughs> right um next episode i have got several sort of suggestions and i don't really know which one to go with um Ooh. so w- what we could do is either leave me to it and i'll just pick one or should we just right now decide what one to go for yeah go for it okay so the suggestions i have is um uh, uh oh, this is this is Chinese name, so I'm sorry. Uh, Shen Yi Sao, which was a recommendation by Rowan's mum, not Rowan this time. Um, <laughs> we have uh a guy, a Japanese fella called Raiden Tamimon, who is a very famous um uh sumo wrestler. We have Typhoid okay. Mary. I don't know if you ever heard of her. No, but that sounds bizarre. Mary Malon. Or, um, and this one literally came up in my head and I thought it would be quite convenient for the timeline. St. Valentine. Oh, that would be cute. We've done St. Nick. St. Valentine would be nice. Right. That, yeah, I, I am. I, when I think about episodes at the minute, I am trying to make them relevant sort of the time that they're being released. Mm. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't really know who any of those people are bar St. Valentine. So... All right, St. Valentine it is then. 
You don't have to, if if you disagree, for God's sakes, message uh, us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, and say which one you want. Yeah, but do I, it I've only just said Sir Valentine <laughs> because that's the only name that I recognise. The others might be the most interesting episodes in the world, and I've just shat all over it. They're all so, they're all gonna get they're all gonna get done at some point, but it would make sense probably to do the Valentine one by Valentine's Day. So let's do that then. Yeah, that would be better. Right. Okay, then that's what we're gonna do. That's the plan. Okie dokie. Um. You know the usual. It's the new year, and actually, it's payday, right? So, I know you've all got some money. I know you're all flush. <laughs> this is That's terrible, isn't it? I know you're flush. You can't say that to people. Get on the merch store. Pick up a hat, because the hats are now live on the store, which are amazing. They're really, really cool. Get one. Get a hoodie, because it's still cold. Buy a t-shirt ready for the summer or as it gets to spring and you bring a light jacket out because you're like, you know, it's not it's not cold enough for a coat, but it's not hot enough just to wear my t-shirt. Bring a light jacket and then when you get inside, you just take it off and everyone's like, oh, what's that? And you're like, oh, it's my favourite podcast. Um, you know, get that done. Do it. Or if you'd like to, you can always support the show on the Kofi page, um, which is a nice little donation that you can send to us. Always leave us a review because we've seen quite a few reviews come recently and they're really, really good. And apparently they really, really help with getting us up that podcast chart. So I want to beat Simon Whistler. If anyone follows or likes Simon Whistler on Twitter, tweet him that that's what people do is literally right underneath him. (laughs) (laughs) And also it gives us the motivation as individuals to write it as well. 100%. So I want to beat Simon Whistler, although he is a a YouTube emperor. So... That's never going to happen, but I just want to be on top of him for once. Wait. <laughs> You're steady. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Ta-ra. <laughs>